Is it true that hope conquers all? Is it possible that hope could set a foundation for your future that you have not been walking in? I believe by the end of this message, you guys that are hopeless will find hope, and those that don't understand the necessity of hope will have a deep, profound understanding of the relevance of hope in your life that will transform who you are and how you handle what you walk through. Amen? Now, there's been times in my life where I've experienced deep pain. Sometimes from the poor choices and actions that I've made myself. Anybody with me? Where we got nobody to blame but ourselves. Sometimes it's their fault, but sometimes it's our fault. And I think that when it's somebody else's fault, sometimes we can find more hope in that than we can when it's ours. I think when we just have outside influences, we say to ourselves, well, if we just get away from that situation or get away from that influence, then we can find hope again, right? We just need to change that job because that boss is mean, okay? We just need to move, right? For me as a kid, it was like, I just need to change schools. I don't like these teachers, right? I remember once when I was in, I believe it was first grade and I was struggling in that grade and I kept telling my mom, it's the teacher you need to move me classes. It's the teacher. And she kept saying, I've heard that a lot from you, that it's somebody else's fault. And so I kept saying, I'm telling you, it's the teacher. She finally moved me teachers. And guess what? No, it was the teacher. It was the teacher. None of you all believe in me. Wow. Okay. No, it was the teacher. I instantly went to excelling. Okay. I instantly got an A. And I love that teacher. And that teacher and me actually became friends. My second grade, te- it was a second grade teacher. And she became my friend. Um, and I loved her. And I excelled, so I was able to move away from the situation and find hope again. But the problem isn't when it's the outside influences. The problem is when it's within inside of us. You can't get away from yourself no matter how hard you try. And a lot of us will go to medicating ourselves through alternative means in order to get away from ourselves. When we're going through hardships in life, we decide that we don't want to hear the thoughts anymore. That we don't want to hear the junk coming into us, so we medicate ourselves through entertainment, through drugs, through alcohol, right? Through distraction, sleep. I mean, there's a million ways you learn to cope. Ice cream is a good one. Yes, yes. It works. It's not healthy, right? Don't do that. Because every solution that is not in the word of God will only leave you empty, bankrupt, and dying more. It will only create a worse problem. So let me get into this. So it can be easy to entertain the notion that when we fail or we fall or we're messing up that we have blown it, that God can't use me and there's no hope for restoration for me. I think we all face those feelings. So during these times, I draw strength on God's word. And I draw strength from reading stories about heroes of the faith who have blown it. In some cases, their failures are so extreme, it would be natural to say that God cannot move me back on the right path. How can he redeem such an awful and extreme failure? But isn't that the nature of God? He is all about redemption. So when we fall, we can be thankful that God loves a good comeback story. And every single one of you love him too. You turn on a movie and you see them almost defeated and you say there's no way and the odds are against them and then they come back in victory. Those are our favorite, aren't they? 
Why is it they're our favorite? Because it is built into our very spiritual DNA to love a good comeback story. And our Father is no different. He is not counting you out because of your failure. He is counting on your comeback story to bring others to Him. Hebrews 6, 19 through 20 says this, We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where our forerunner, Jesus, has entered on our behalf. He has become a high priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. Okay, so what I want to say to you today is this. God is stirring up this this, uh, theme that's happening right now in our church. Last week, I talked about the root of emotions, basically. I was talking about having our emotions in check. And throughout the entire Sunday day, through our three different services that we have after mine, we expanded on this emotion. So deeper waters at 1.30 expanded on that emotion. And today she's going to even expand on what I'm talking about. The triangle of death is what she is talking about. So I'm talking today about how, to, how important hope is, and she's going to talk about things that can rob your hope, your joy, your peace. So you want to be here to find out those things in your life that breed death so that you don't do them. Amen? Okay? Don't, don't come to me whining that you're dying and you didn't show up to the thing that was going to teach you how not to. Like that's, right? I'm struggling. Well, Shoshana handled that at 1.30. Why weren't you here? Uh, well, because I like TV. Look, stuff comes up in life, but when it doesn't, be here. Real simple. Because this is where you get free. Amen? So it says this, that hope is an anchor for the soul. So we talked all about emotions last week. God is stirring something up in a season, and this week I believe he's going the same direction. So we want to dig into this. I believe that hope is more valuable to you than you've ever imagined. I think when we talked about faith, hope, and love, we read the scripture that says love is the greatest of these, and we just focus completely on love, and then we think that faith is so important, right? Jesus said your faith has what? made you whole. So we lean into those two and we forget that hope is there right in the middle of that saying that, hey, I'm important too. Hello. In fact, what I would say is this, that what you will see is that I believe that hope, faith, and love are kind of like biblical rock, paper, scissors. Okay. Right. You got the paper that covers, for you guys that have never been children, you got the rock and the paper covers the rock, but the scissors cut the paper, but the rock smashes the scissors. They all have power and they all have a place over the other one. And while love might be the greatest of these, I believe that they don't activate uh, themselves, but that the other ones activate them. I believe that faith is activated by hope and hope is, activates love and love activates faith. And so all of them are interconnected to each other and they activate each other like rock, paper, scissors, okay? Yes, love is the greatest of them, but you cannot get to love without the other two. They're just not there. And I'm going to show you that as we go through this, okay? So in order to tap into the supernatural power of hope, we will need a few things. First thing that we need to know is that what we are fighting for We battle most of the time with no goal in mind. We just resist battles that come against us with no actual intention of going anywhere. We're standing still. We have no goals. Jeremiah 29, 11 says it this way. 
And I love the way it says this in the King James. It says, for I know the thoughts I have toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. I love that, an expected end. See, sometimes we have no expectation of where the end is supposed to look like. Of what the end is supposed to look like. We don't know what the end is supposed to look like. We just know we don't like where we are, but we have no clue where we're going. And we lose our hope in that process. If you don't have a goal in mind, if you don't have a destination, if you don't know a purpose in your life, then how can you ever hope for a thing you do not know of? You have to have one purpose. The second thing you need is a plan. A plan. There you go. So one, a purpose. Two, a plan. And number three, you have to have a passion. Say passion. You cannot get to hope. You cannot get to where you're going without those three components. A purpose, a plan, and passion. We always say, Lord, use us. We say that without a clear understanding of how to prepare our hearts to be fully engaged and ready to be used. We have to have a purpose, a plan, and a passion. If you don't have a heart for it, then you'll never be a set apart for it. If you don't have a heart for it, you'll never be set apart for it. If you want God to take you and use you, you have to develop a passion for your calling, a passion for your purpose. See, the Bible says many are called, but few are chosen. And I'm going to break that down so you understand why, right? You need three things to walk in your purpose. You need three things to walk in your calling. It's very simply this. One, you have to be called. Two, you have to be chosen. And three, you have to be equipped. I know that's not a C word. I'm sorry. (laughs) Called, chosen, and equipped. Those are the three things you need. Many are called, but few are chosen. So every one of you have a calling on your life, but not every one of you are chosen because not every one of you are set apart because you have not gone through the planning phase. You have not built your life around God's holiness. You have not dug into the calling that God has placed on your heart and prepared your heart to walk into that calling so you've never been chosen. I've gone up to a lot of people and said, whoo, man, I can see the calling on your life. Well, will you use me? Nope, you haven't been chosen. Why? Because you think that your calling is enough to live it out. You haven't been chosen because you haven't been living according to your calling, and you certainly haven't equipped yourself to walk in it. Right? I was called to be a music pastor for many years. How many of you guys think I might have struggled with that if I didn't like music, didn't have a heart for music, and then I never learned how to sing or play? Man, I got some people, right? All you got to do is turn on TV, right? American Idol, you find out real quick that there's a lot of people like, I'm called to be a singer. And you're like, oh my gosh, I don't choose you because you are not equipped. <laughs> right? How do they even make it before Simon? Like, what's happening here? There's a lot of called people out there that have no interest in getting equipped. So we, we learn that scripture that says God will give us the desires of our heart. And we say, well, Lord, I want it, so I must have it. Because your word says, if I want it, you'll give it to me. God is not interested in making you a spoiled, rotten teenage girl. Okay? But daddy, 
I just have to have the pink Lamborghini. I don't like the red anymore. If that's who you think God is, you have a very wrong understanding of who God is. Okay, he is not interested in that. So he doesn't give you the desires you have in your heart. That scripture actually means this, that when you have surrendered yourself to God, he will take godly desires that fulfill your destiny and your plan and your purpose, and he will place them into your heart. He will give you desires that match him. And when you have surrendered to him, the only thing in your heart is his will for your life. I didn't start my life out going, God, I just want to preach. I just want to share the gospel. I just want to see people know you, not me. I didn't start there. But when I surrendered my life to God, this desire birthed inside of me that said, sing for me, play for me, preach for me, declare me to nations. And what I found is when I do what I'm asked to do out of the desire of my heart, my life has fulfillment. It has peace. It has joy. And more importantly, because it is not my own, it has hope. Hmm. So what happens is we live in a man-made world where we decide for ourselves who should see and recognize what we are and what we do. And we decide based on other man's opinions of us on where we are with our walk with God. Look, some people were appointed, but they were never anointed. When you allow man to provide your position, you will just be appointed. But when you allow God to position your passion, you will be anointed. Do you hear me there? <laughs> when you allow God to position your passion, that's when you will become anointed. See, passion will carry you through the times where it's dark. Your heart for seeing God's thing done will carry you through those moments of despair and hopelessness. There are plenty of times as a pastor I'm hopeless. When I ask someone, how come you haven't been to church? And they're like, oh, I don't know, but church is boring. You, 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 don't, you don't think that hurts my heart? You don't think that that tears out my hope? Like, don't tell me church is awesome and it's not. Like, I don't need sugar. Like, if it's terrible, tell me before we just ruin it, okay? But, uh, but you, you don't think that that steals my hope? Like, you don't think those things are, are damaging? But I don't do it because I get acclimates for it. I don't do it because I get credit or people saying, that was an amazing word. That's not why I do it. I do it so that God will say, I'm proud of you. I do it because I have a heart to serve him. And that's where hope stirs up in me. Because it's never about me. Your success in life doesn't grow your heart your heart grows your success. See, the plan gives you hope. Jeremiah 29, 11 says that. The plan gives you hope for your future. The plan fits with your future. Amen? When you can't find your faith, hope can still be seen. I don't believe it will happen. Tell me, how many of you have said that? I don't believe that it will happen. But I can believe it could. How many of us have lived with that kind of faith in our life? Where we believe God could do it, but we don't actually think he's going to do it for us. We don't actually think he's going to show up for us. 
Some of us believe that we have blown it so badly that God will never show up for us again. He can do it, so I trust in his power. I have faith in him, but I have no hope that he will actually do it for me. And so we rob ourselves of stepping into our future, not because of lack of faith. We still believe in God. We haven't abandoned him. But we believe that he has us. We have lost our hope. Come on, some of you guys need that. Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things unseen. Faith is a substance of things hoped for, but the evidence of things unseen. So you cannot get to full faith until you have lived in hope. The evidence of things unseen. Hope is what happens in heaven. Hope is the ingredient that builds faith on earth and releases it down here on earth. And then when we walk in love, we release supernatural hope into our lives that manifests from the supernatural, from the spirit realm to the physical realm. What you're hoping right now is stirring production in heaven for your life and the miracle you are about to receive down here. Amen? Some of you guys need a word today and stir some hope in your heart. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things unseen. Amen. Can I get that next scripture up on the slide, please? Proverbs 13, 12 says this, Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. But this I call to mind. No, that's the next one. Thank you. Just, that, just go back to that one, please. Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. Look, there are some moments in our life where we feel like our hope is pointless. And so we defer our hope. And let me tell you, that is a dangerous thing to do because if you don't have a heart for it, you won't be set apart to it. And so it's necessary that we keep a heart. And if hope deferred makes our heart sick, then we can't have a heart for what God has called us to do. We can't have a heart for our plan and our future. We can't have a heart for our families, for our career, for our loved ones, for our children. We can't continue to have a heart for things when we defer our hope. When we have given up our hope, we cannot walk where God has called us to walk. And there, there are seasons, man, where, where it just feels like I lived in hope and it's just taken too long. I lived with a promise, but it has just taken too long. I know it's true in my own life and I know it's true in, in my mother's life. You know, Pastor Dory, if you don't know her story, she, I didn't mean to rhyme that. Uh, Pastor Dory, if you don't know her story, she lived with lupus for 10 years. As a boy, I would cry myself to sleep at night wondering if that would be the last time I saw my mother because she was so sick all the time. And for 10 years, she struggled with that illness. Every day going, God, why do I still have this? We prayed for her all the time. I can't tell you how many thousands of prayers went on un seemingly unanswered. And I can't tell you why it took 10 years to get to the promise that God had given us, but it did. And it's very easy in that 10 years to defer your hope. It's very easy to have a moment say, today, this is the day, this is the church service, this is the moment that I'm going to get healed and set free. This is the moment my life changes. But then when it doesn't happen, a little bit of your hope gets robbed. 
But hope deferred will make your heart sick. What it'll do is cause you to say, I'm not going to church. Ain't nothing going to happen for me there. I was praying, but I've never seen my prayers answered, so why am I wasting my time praying? Hope deferred will make your heart sick. And the enemy is looking at every possible means to rob you of your hope. He wants to steal your hope because if he does that, he knows that he can get in there and manifest a lack of faith in your life. So you can say, I believe in God and my destination is heaven. And I believe he can do all things. I just don't have any hope for myself anymore. So I don't think he'll do it for me. And that defers our hope and makes our hearts sick. And that is dangerous. Amen? Amen. We don't want a deferred hope. I was watching a video of a miracle, and, and look, I, I'm just as skeptical as the next person. Yes, we see miracles here all the time, but I am just as skeptical of miracles as you are. So I, I'm very scientific about it. I'm like, go to the doctor, prove it. I want to see it, right? I uh, watched some video from Africa, and this person's arm grew out, and then found a video from Uh, The same lady at a different time where her arm grew out again. And I'm like, are you kidding? So it was this big scam. Like, you know, she she had this weird bone disease and she could stretch her arm out to look like it grew. Okay. And so I'm like, oh, scammers stealing, stealing my hope of of salvation, stealing my hope of healing, stealing my hope in the miraculous. Ooh, and I got mad because the enemy wants to steal my hope in that thing so that I can't walk in faith and receive it. Like I can't be in that. And I understand that. So I saw this video the other day, and it was by um, a famous gospel singer. And she had been in a wreck, and she had been paralyzed from the waist down. And she was a famous gospel singer. Her career continued on after paralyzation. Now, I don't know about you, but if I'm going to pull a big scam, like I'm going to pull a big heist on people, I might commit to being in a wheelchair for like a year. I might if, if I had a very good plan of how it was going to propel my future, I might sacrifice a year in that chair everywhere I went to get that done, right? Some of you, if you've got $10 million to sit in a wheelchair for 10 years, you might do it, right? For one year, I mean, excuse me. For one year, for $10 million, you might do it, okay? How many of you guys would do it for five years? <laughs> a couple. 10 years? You'd never get out of that wheelchair for 10 years? How about 15 years? How about 20 years? How about 22 years? She sat in that wheelchair as a gospel singer that everyone knew for 22 years. And at a church service, they laid hands on her and she got up out of that wheelchair and walked. And I watched it. And then I went back and pulled up 22 years of her videos and songs and everything and saw her in that wheelchair. Nobody plays the long game for 22 years. And my hope stirred up. Something inside of me said, yes. Not only is it possible, I know that because I got faith, but now I got hope he's ready to do it. Amen? Amen. How many of you know in that 22 years that her hope deferred? That for 10 years she woke up every day saying today could be the day. Today could be the day. But after 10 years it started to be, I don't think today's going to be my day. And then towards the 20th year it was no longer, let's even contemplate what today's going to be because I've already lost hope. 
God is not interested in you losing hope. Look, there are people in your lives, no matter how much you've seen the miraculous in your life, no matter how much faith you have that God can do a thing, when you steal hope from your life, the evidence that God can do a thing will still stop you from believing in a thing. Elijah was one of those who saw miraculous things happen all the time. Elijah saw so many miraculous experiences, you'd think he'd have unshakable faith. After all, he caused the rain to stop for more than three years one time. He was fed by ravens who brought him food. He saw a limitless jar of flour and a jug of oil that never ran out. He witnessed a widow's son being resurrected and beat the prophets of Baal by calling down fire from heaven. But when the showdown happened uh, uh, with Baal's worshipers, it so angered King Ahab and his wife Jezebel that she vowed to see him dead. Elijah couldn't take it. The pressure of being such a high-profile prophet that God had gotten, he took off to the wilderness. And he hid. And God met him there. And Elijah felt like he had been completely wrecked. He felt like he was the only prophet left, that he was isolated and alone. He was abandoned. There wasn't a man with him or a God with him. This man who had seen all these miracles, one person's like, I'm going to kill you. And he's like, no, I don't want And he lost his hope. That's probably what he did, too. He lost his hope. So how do you imagine God responded to Elijah in that moment? It says that he gave him rest. And then he spoke to him in a still, small voice. And he encouraged him. He put hope back in him. You already know I can do these things, Elijah. What you need to believe right now is that I will for you. You you have faith, but where's your hope? Where have you placed your hope? See, John Mark understood this from the New Testament. He traveled and ministered with Paul and Barnabas. And it says that they got into such a fight that John Mark left. He left the ministry. He left Paul and Barnabas completely. He's out. I'm done. I'm not doing nothing with you guys. I don't know what kind of contention they got into, but whatever it was was serious enough that when Barnabas later asked Paul about getting John Mark to come with them, Paul was like, "Uh uh-uh, that dude ain't going nowhere with me. Mm -mm." So much so that it separated Paul and Barnabas. They fought over it, and they separated because Paul was, whatever happened was bad enough, man, between them that he's like, I don't want that kid around me ever again. And Barnabas was upset, so it feuded between them too. Okay, don't ever like you're not a man of God or that person is not a man or woman of God who got into it with him for a minute, all right? Just because there was an argument does not take away their anointing. Okay, don't do that. You can disagree with saints and we both stay saints. You can disagree with brothers and sisters. They don't become uh, out excommunicated from your family. So when you disagree with a brother or sister in Christ, you can still be a child of God even though you guys can't seem to get along because you're immature, all right? Immature children of God are still children of God, all right? It doesn't mean everyone you argue with is a child of God, though, does it? You got to know the difference. And in that case, Paul knew the difference because it says in Colossians that he told them, hey, by the way, John uh, John Mark is with me. He said he's back with me. And he's my fellow worker. So after years of being separated, they restored that relationship and recognized, hey, we're both children of God. We've both been serving God. And they come back together in unity, all right? They had lost their hope, but they found it. 
The enemy wants to believe your, that what you go through in your life. Let, let, me, let me say it this way. We fail and we lose our hope. We blow it and we lose our hope. And we think that God can't use us again. And what the enemy wants to do is for you to believe that your failure is fatal. Your failure is not fatal. A sign of growth is when we try to operate at a level we are not yet mature enough to handle. If you are growing, then you should get to a point that you try to operate at a level you are not yet equipped to handle. And that's how you can define, here's where I need to grow. You must test the boundaries of your limitations in order to grow past them. David could not handle the temptation of a king. Elijah couldn't handle the contempt of a king. And Peter couldn't handle the death on the cross of his king of kings. Look, you may not be able to handle it, but that doesn't mean that you give up hope in the process. God wants you to grow to handle it. Don't give up when you're not there yet. It's not the fullness of our failures that gets measured. It's the fullness of our hearts to allow hope in us to defer, to not lose heart when we lose sight. Did you hear me? Just because you lost sight does not mean you need to lose heart. To let hope rise up and mature in us until it ignites faith. Faith says God can do it. Hope says I have faith that God will do it for me. Hope is an anchor. When the waves of life get rough and the sea of your situation starts to toss the boat of your emotions around and you feel the wavering of your soul, hope will be the anchor that keeps your ship safe. Supernatural hope is the harbor of your soul. <laughs> hope is the first responder of the miraculous power of God in your life. It shows up on the scene first. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. What was birthed in your heart and soul, the thing that anchors your emotion, is hope, which when allowed to be released in your life, begins to create and manifest faith into the supernatural. And when that has been released in the supernatural, it'll be born in the natural. I want you to get that. I'm repeating that. It's birthed in the supernatural. It's released into the natural. And hope is the catalyst. Let me read this next scripture to you. But this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercy never comes to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. It's in Lamentations 3.21 through 23. How do we walk in hope? How do we walk in hope? We allow the word of God to be called to our mind. That's what it says there. 
But this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. Understanding who God is in our life, understanding what his word says and reveals to us about his character will cause hope to rise up in you. Knowing that he has steadfast love for you, knowing that he is merciful, that he is gracious, and that your failure is not permanent will cause hope to rise in you. Trusting in who he is in your life and that he's capable of doing it for. We have to be so of one mind. And, and, and so when hope is robbed from our life, it steals our heart. So it begins with our mind of knowing and understanding the character of God. And once it's in our mind, it begins to seep into our heart. And hope can't leave because we can't get our hearts sick, can we? But if our hearts are set on him, then hope can't leave. If hope leaves, then our hearts are sick. But if we keep our hearts healthy, then hope, hope will stay. Do you see the rock, paper, scissor of that? They, 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 they're bind. They're, they're symbiotic. They work together. Faith and hope and love all together. We have to be men and women who walk in hope. Amen? We have to believe that God, not just that God can do it, but that he will do it. For us. So I don't know what you walked in here with this morning. Believing that you were hopeless. That God wasn't going to do a thing. But I'm telling you we're in a season where we say a thing and we see a thing. And though you have not yet seen it, what you have said is about to manifest. We are going to see great wonders of God in our lives. Amen. We are about to see things that did not seem possible. The impossible is about to become our every day. Those things that were once impossible will be possible. And we need to believe that. You know what another word for belief is? Hope. 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 Hope is that seed of faith, the belief. Do you believe that God can do it? Do you believe that God will do it for you? Or have you decided that the God of all hope and peace doesn't have any hope for you? It says he's the God of hope and that hope will bring joy and peace into your life. That's what it says. The word says that it will bring joy and peace. You want more joy and peace? Start having some hope. Get a plan. Recognize that God has called you to a purpose Get equipped. Walk in it. Don't determine because it hasn't manifested itself that it's not available to you. Maybe you don't have the plan for it. Maybe you've just decided you're going to sit, camp out, and wait in deserts instead of pressing on towards your purpose. You need to get up and walk towards it. You need to equip yourself and walk in it like it's here now. And start getting ready because let me tell you what, a lot of things... A lot of things take a season to show up. They don't come quickly, but they show up suddenly. And some of you are waiting for them to show up before you decide you are equipped for them. And you're wondering why you're hopeless. And God is saying, when you get yourself ready, I will choose you. You might have some raw ability in you, but you are not perfected yet. I'm reminded of Jordan. He was... Kicked off his basketball team in his high school year. He, he didn't make the basketball team. 
greatest basketball player ever. The, the way he compensated for that was not to lose hope, but to have hope that if he worked hard and equipped himself, that he could be something great. And so he stirred himself on by his failure to be successful. And there's a million stories of those I can tell you. It's happened to me a million times in my own life that my failures are what produced my successes. In my business life, it was very simple. When my company or my business was failing is when I got busy with a plan. When it was all going well, I just coasted through it and enjoyed the ride and never thought about building. But when things started to crumble, I would all of a sudden take a step back, get a game plan, clean off the fat and leave the meat in my life and, and move forward. And then I'd look back afterwards going, man, how much farther could I have been if I had done this in the successful time? When it was easy, when everything came so easy and it was just rolling, if I would have made these hard cuts and choices and had perfected myself and equipped myself in that season, I would have never had to have the season of stepping back. But a lot of times we coast through those seasons and then we wonder why we're not chosen. Because we haven't equipped ourselves. Because we haven't had a heart to equip ourselves. Because we haven't really pressed into the heart of our purpose. Every one of you have purpose. And that's your hope. That the God of hope has a purpose for your life, has meaning for your life. And he has not forsaken you. And he is speaking to you this morning and telling you to get off the couch of hopelessness and get up and walk out your destiny and live out your dreams. Amen? Because if you let his dreams be your dreams, you cannot do anything else but succeed in them. God wants you to be successful. Let me say that again. God wants you to be successful. If you process that as I'm going to be rich, you don't understand. God wants you to walk in the plans and purposes he set for your life and make you successful at those. The definition of success is I ran my race for the Lord. That's success. And if you do that, Joy, peace, hope, love, faith will all be comforters to you. They will all be strengtheners to you. They will all be defenders to you. Every, I think every one of us want to be happy in life, right? Happiness is an emotion. But if you'll step into hope, the emotions of life will not have control of you. You'll have control of them. Some of you need to hear that. Some of you, I, I've talked to you. You've got no control of your emotions. And you're like, I don't know why no one wants to be around me. I'll tell you. Because you're an emotional wreck. Because all you ever do is complain. And if I get around you, you're going to tell me all the terrible things about life. Right? I already have to read it on your Facebook post. I don't want to hear it for an hour. Right? Because when I try to encourage you, you just want to tell me all the reasons it won't happen. You have more faith in destruction than you do in his presence. You have more hope that it's all going to go wrong than God can make anything right. Every one of you are full of hope. You just need to decide on which side of hope you want to be on. You want to be on the enemy's side of hope? You want to be on God's side of hope. The choice is yours and you got to make it. I didn't have bad luck, I'd have no luck at all. You ever heard that? 
You got hope in the wrong stuff, man. Your hope is placed in things that, are, that belong to the enemy, the God of this world instead of the God of heaven. See, that's what the Bible means when it says you can't serve both. You can't have hope in God and hope in the enemy. You've got to take your hope out of the enemy's camp and place it into God's hands and trust him that he is bigger than the enemy. It is amazing to me how many people have no hope that God wants to talk to them. It's amazing to me how many other churches and other pastors have no hope that God wants to talk to them. They will gladly say, the enemy did it to me. They will gladly say, that's the enemy. They will blame everything on the enemy, but they don't believe that God can act on their behalf. No, no, God doesn't do miracles anymore. Satan does destruction. Satan has the right to destroy my life, attack me, come after me, and speak negative things to my mind. Oh, that's Satan talking. But the God of heaven can't talk? The God of heaven can't open up the windows of heaven and bless me, but Satan can destroy me? We need to change where our hope is planted. God, we need to change that. That doesn't make any sense. We need to change where our hope is planted. Satan doesn't have more power than God. And the second you start to believe lie, guess what? You just made him more powerful than your God. Because you took Jesus off the throne and you put Satan and elevated him and you no longer serve him and you've given Satan access to your life to rob you and steal from you and kill. You've opened the door and said, there's my big screen, go get it. You can have it. Don't do that. Don't do that. Let hope rise up in you. Let God bless you. Don't give the enemy a seat at your table. Don't invite him to dinner. Don't send him a note saying, I'm sorry, we have to break up. Pay him no attention. He holds no value to you. But if your eyes will gaze with love on a God who wants to give you hope, you will find it. Bow your heads with me. Father God, Lord, we just press into your hope. We press into your presence, God. We press into your love, your mercy, your tenderness, God. Lord, we believe and we hope right now in the name of Jesus. We just believe and we hope you, that you are the God of miracles. You are the God that can do all things. Some music, please. You are the God who can do all things. And in you all things are done. And without you, nothing Nothing in our life will have value or purpose without you in the center of it. So God, this morning we stir our hope. Some of us that walked in here hopeless, we make a decision and a choice. That hope is ours today. We believe you. We trust you. That you are meeting our needs. We hope that faith might rise up in us. We hope because we love you because you first loved us. We hope when hope seems foolish. That today can be the day that we are healed. Today can be the day that we have breakthrough. Today can be the day that we are set free. Today can be the day that chains come off. Lord, we believe it. We receive it. And we let hope rise up in us that we might see your wonder here on earth, in our own lives, in our emotions, in our families, in our workplaces, that the God of heaven would arrive in our situations.